And Father, we do thank you because truly you are a, a good, good Father. Because we've all lived the Christian life, we know how faithful you've been to us. And so, Father, tonight as we come and praise you and thank you and look to you, Lord, it comes from our hearts. It comes from who we are in Christ. It's what you've made us to be, changed, transformed. And Lord, we're moving more and more into your image. So the good work which you've begun, thank you, Father, complete it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good evening. You know, it's really cool. I didn't know our lights were fluorescent. I've got my notes with highlighter, and it's like, cool. It's all snappy and poppy up here. So we actually have a, a black light here somewhere. Well, Pastor Brett is here. He's present with us tonight, but he's taking a break. Well-deserved, as a matter of fact. He does work hard. He spends a lot of hours not only administrating uh, things in the church, but, but also studying the Word. And I think you see the fruit of that throughout the week and on Sundays. Uh, but tonight he's taking a break. He's asked me if I would to fill in and, and uh, share some things out of the Word. And so when, uh, when he and I had talked, he says, well, you know, maybe, maybe you can do something on prophecy or, or, or something like that. And, and so I thought about, well, yeah, you know, there's some things that are happening in the world. We can definitely look at prophecy. Uh, I'm thinking of Ezekiel 38 and 39. You know, we see Russia moving into the Middle East. And, and maybe in this year of 2016, they may even knock on Israel's door. They may go so as far as, according to Ezekiel 38 and 39, try to kick it open only to find God on the other side. They'll be surprised. So, yes, that, that is something that comes into view. But, but we're not going to talk about that tonight. No, we're not. We're going to talk about another door. We're going to talk about a door that Jesus has told us about, a door that's open that no man can shut. See, as we look forward to 2016, we always have to be aware of that Christ has the church in this world today at this moment for a purpose and a plan. And guess what? You're part of it. Yes, yeah, so there's a plan for you in 2016. Now, we know that there's an open door, but what do we do in relationship to that door? And how does it affect us? How does it affect me personally? How does it affect us as a church body? And so we're going to look at that tonight. So let's open in prayer again, and then we'll jump into God's Word. Father, we do thank you for your Word, because truly it, it's a, a lamp unto our path and a light unto our feet. It, it gives us direction, Lord. And so tonight, we don't know the future, but we do know what your Word tells us. And so, Lord, tonight... As we seek you, and thank you for 2015, we, we thank you for carrying us through this, this year. And though we've seen many changes, Lord, you're still on the throne, and that's what we look at tonight. So bless this time in the Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, what I do want to share tonight is exactly what we've talked about. I want to look at Revelation uh, chapter 3, verse 8, and I'm just going to read what it says here. This is what the Lord says. He says, I know your works. I've set before you an open door that no one can shut it. 
But you have little strength and have kept my word and have not denied my name. And, you know, when we look at the book of Revelation and we look at the seven churches, there's a few ways we can understand the letter that Jesus sends individually to each church. Literally, there was a time he appears to John. He says, John, write this down. And John did write it. And it was sent to all of those seven churches personally to them. But also, when we look at those seven letters, we see something very interesting. We see a timeline, if you would, a history of the church. See, the, the book of Ephesus, or the, the book that was, or the letter that was written to Ephesus, talks about a church that was doing great, really gung ho for the Lord, but they got so involved in their gung ho ness and their work that they were doing, they, they forgot about the Lord. It was kind of like, Oh, yeah, the Lord, I, oh, he's right behind us. They weren't walking with him. They got ahead of him. They, they were involved in what they were involved in and not what he necessarily was wanting them to be involved in at that moment. We go to the next church in history, and there we find the church that goes through martyrdom. And as we continue through the sequential churches, we, we find that there's doctrinal apostasy, there's immorality in another one, and and so we go down the line of those churches. But I, I personally feel that we, the church today, live in that time called Philadelphia. Yes, the church of brotherly love. See, we have a freedom around the world to worship God. Now, we have freedom in America. There's others that worship underground. But yet, we are, we are still seeking the Lord. Uh, but there's a church that follows and, and, and the church that follows is Laodicea. Now, with that church, and we'll look at it in a second, Jesus is on the outside. Now, it's still the church, but he's on the outside knocking, saying, hey, if there's anybody there that wants to open this door and let me in, I, I want to sup with you. I want to fellowship with you. One of the most important things to recognize is Jesus includes it as part of his church. So we see a historical, perhaps, timeline. But there's another way that we look at the seven churches. One of those seven churches represents this church. Yes, Calvary Chapel Surprise. Which one is it? The Lord knows. He walks among us. I never want you to forget that, that wherever you are, Jesus is here in this fellowship right now, right here. He always walks among his people. Wherever two or more gathered, what? There he is in the midst. So he is here tonight. I hope that excites you. It does me. Yeah, he is here. And, and then lastly, when we look at the seven churches and, and all the dynamics, one of those churches represents my walk in Christ, your walk in Christ. Which one is it? Jesus knows. So those are some different ways we, we approach. As we, as we look at the seven churches, we, we look at it as literally those were sent to them for their situations. We look at it as a timeline, perhaps history of the church. And we also, again, uh, look at it as one of the churches in our community or this church or personally us. So I want to read again Revelation 3.8. Let's just look at it for a second. He says, I know your works. See, Jesus is watching. He's here among us. I've set before you an open door 
and no one can shut it. For you have little strength. So, so Jesus is telling us something that he has done. He has set an open door. And I'm very grateful that in the world today, we as, as Americans or even the church in Philadelphia, they have gone and they, they've shared the word. There's been an open door. The gospel's not been bound because whether it's by literal physical people going there or whether it's been through the airwaves, the gospel has been preached throughout the world. I do understand there's people that live in isolated areas that have never heard about Jesus. But as a general, as we look at it, the gospel has gone out. And there's been a major attempt to reach all people groups. Everything from translating their Bibles to, to uh, sending cassette tapes or even solar recordings in their language. We participated in that, if you remember, with Alan and uh, Peggy Horton. Because they're helping a young man who's recording messages in his native language, of which there is no written biblical language for them, but he's verbally recording them. They're being downloaded, and they're being sent up into these mountain areas, and they're hearing the gospel, and we get to be a part of the open door. But there's also something else I see, and, and this is something that I think all of us are going to have to say, yeah, we... We, we do see this, and, and that's this, that in 2016, we're going to have a choice to move through that door as America moves away from it. Do you understand that in 2015, a paradigm shift has happened not only in our country, but in the whole world, it started here. We redefined marriage according to what God established from the beginning of creation between a man and a woman. Our country redefined it, and the whole world has followed suit. The first time in history, folks, See, today we, we talk about sexual preference. We even talk about gender. What gender do you want to be today? That's what's going on in the high schools. Today, if someone wants to be a boy, he's a boy. He wants to be a girl, he's a girl. If he wants to go to the boys' bathroom, the girls' bathroom, go see California. See, these were never things that we've ever dealt with before. So listen to what I'm saying. The church has an open door. No man can shut it. Why? Because Jesus opened it. But the world is moving away from that door. And this is something that we, moving into 2016, we really seriously, we need to look at it. And, and we need to understand it. Because there's some things coming up ahead of us that perhaps will even change our opinion of what God's will is. And here's where I'm going with this. You see, and, and you know this all very well, that as it gets darker outside and a light is on, what happens? The light becomes more pronounced. It's visible. You see, if it's daytime and the parking lot lights are on, you won't even know it. 
because there's a lot of light. See, there was a time in America where Christianity was really the fabric of our country and our nation. And, and many people professed faith in God. People put their hands on the Bible. People understood that, yes, there's a God creator out there. And even if they weren't churchgoers, there was a certain reverence and understanding that God was part of the fabric of, of our nation and our country. Today, that's changed. I have to laugh. On social media, um, somebody took a photograph of a Bible that was found by the Salton Sea in California. And of course, it was waterlogged and it had, it had dried in the sun. It was all the pages were kind of fan flipped out. And, um, and so somebody makes a comment that, that this was found by the Salton Sea all dried out and it belonged to somebody, but who knows who and how did it get here? And, and as I'm looking at the picture, all of a sudden, all these social comments start coming in. Yeah, it's just like the salt and sea, it's dead. And another person comments, we really don't need you to comment on the Bible on social media. And then somebody else tweets or comes in and, and, and says, you know, well, the Bible's the true word of God, and you, know, you need to understand that it's true. And then all of a sudden, we... I'm, I'm sitting here looking, because these are things like popping up like popcorn, one after another. Hundreds of people, I guess, are looking at this and are commenting on it, and a war starts. A social media war starts. And it amazed me how many people were so adamant against the Bible. They started comparing it to Hitler. They started, <laughs> and I'm sitting here going, are you guys serious? See, America's moving away from the door. But what does that mean for us, the church? Well, I, I want to remind you about the last church that, that is in the book of Revelation where God writes to the seven churches. That's the church of Laodicea. Again, let's read that. It's in chapter 3, verse 20. And Jesus says, Behold, in other words, look, pay attention. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. So what happened that Jesus is on the outside of the church? Well, it's interesting because if you study that church, what was their problem? They became lukewarm. He says, oh, I wish that you were either hot or cold. But because you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out. You, you see, if salt loses its savor, it's only good for one thing. It's to be thrown out, specifically in an area where? Along the roadside. You see, salt does kill weeds. But if salt doesn't have a flavor, it doesn't serve us. It's only good for killing weeds. I know this because I used to watch in Mexico that they would do that to get rid of weeds. But, so what does that say about us, the church? As, as the world quickly is moving away and their opinion is being stated more and more, what is that going to do to us? What will that do to you personally? You see, because we're going to talk about trends that are coming up. And I'm going to talk in a minute about what's trending with the church on 
the world platform. But, but you have an open door. Well, what do you do with an open door? Because this open door is to go out. Notice that when Jesus is standing at the church of Laodicea, he's trying to come in. But the door that you and I have is to go out. See, we've been given the Great Commission. Is that not true? We're to go out and proclaim the gospel to all nations, to all peoples. Salvation is for the world, for God so loved the world. So there's no person in this world that the gospel's not for. Contrary, and I love what Brett was teaching. Remember when he was talking about, they asked Jesus, do we pay taxes? And he says, well, whose image is on the coin? And he says, Caesar's. This is unrendered to Caesar that Caesar's, and to God what's God's. And whose image are we made in? All humanity is made in the image of God, imago Deo. See, so the gospel's for all humanity, for all that bear the image of God. But the open door is for us to go out and to reach people. So I want you to keep that in mind, but there's something else I want to just bring to your attention I, I want to talk about your personal heart condition with the Lord. I want to talk about your personal relationship with Christ. Where is it? See, only you know. I know where I am today in my relationship with Christ, and the honest truth is that I am where I don't want to be. That may sound strange. Do I love the Lord? Absolutely. But there's things in my life that I want to change. I want to get closer. I want intimate fellowship. I want him to be speaking to me continually. I want to have him show up and go, turn left, turn right, go straight, and find that there's a blessing. See, I want to get closer to the Lord. I recognize my need. But I ask you about your relationship. Because going into 2016, as the world gets darker, your light will either get brighter or the world will try to put it out. Remember, we have three enemies. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Those are the three things we need to look at around us or in us personally. But moving into this future of seeing our nation move away from God, that will affect you. How could it not? And so as, as, we, as we look at that and, and, we, and we see that, okay, so in our culture, we've redefined marriage. You know, now people are, are being forced to submit directly to things that are morally against their personal ethics. You know, I was just looking at an article, you know, that GCU had actually written an, uh, a few months ago. I saw it on the news. They, they had to include, because of HR, they had to include with the people that worked for them that were gay couples that they would have benefits, that there would be benefits for them because they have to recognize them as legally members of law-abiding 
had this a law-abiding citizen, if you would. And so the laws have changed to such where they have to comply. And yet they wrote a letter to say, in no way do we agree. We believe in marriage between a man and a woman from the beginning of creation. But because of the laws of our nation and our state, we now have to do something we don't want to do. You see, there's people that have been bakers or photographers. They've fallen into the same situation. We've heard those stories. We've read them in the news. So, again, I come back to saying as the world pulls away from God, or especially our nation, it gets darker. So as it gets darker, you should get brighter. In other words, you will draw more attention to people. You may be, you may be in a place where somebody makes a comment about, oh, isn't it wonderful this and this is now happening? And you may speak up and say, well, well no, actually, no, it, it's not. It, it goes against God's word. See, you just became salt and light. And the dark has to deal with what you said. Or you can be quiet, lukewarm. And I'm not trying to put a heavy on anybody. But if God is God and this is truth, why would we not speak up? Why would we not? Why would we let the word tell the world tell us, be quiet, sit down, we don't want your opinion? We can't go there, folks, because the door is open. But notice with the church of Laodicea, God's knocking to come in. There's one more verse I want to share with you, and it's, it's in 1 Timothy. I'm just going to say it, but it's, it's 1 Timothy 4.1. And this is what Paul writes to Timothy. He says, the Spirit says expressively, in the latter times, some will depart from the faith following doctrines of demon, demons and seducing spirits. Do we see that in the church today? Yes, we do. Not this church. But we see it in churches that are falling in line with the world's compliance. We see churches that are embracing, saying, oh, it's okay. We accept that. We don't look at that as immoral or wrong. Some will depart from the faith. See, faith is, I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and his word is the truth, and I live by it. That's my standard. That's my standard. I believe it to be true. That is faith. But I can't waver on it. I can't be lukewarm like Laodicea. I can't be wishy-washy. So I, I need to stand upon what I know to be truth and not conform to this world. Now, First John, John talks to us about that. Be not conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's know the will of the Lord. So I come back to the question, how are you in your walk? How are you personally in 2016? How are you going to do? Can you improve? Are there changes that you can make? And, and maybe they're personal changes, but maybe they're changes within your family structure. Maybe they're changes that you have to do, even within your workplace, and going out and being salt and light. Those are just questions. You know, the Lord knows. When we look at 
these changes, as I said, America's been the, the leader of these, these really paradigm changes in the world. Uh, the, not, not long ago, maybe it's been two, three months ago, I heard something on the news. I had to shake my head. In Latin America, three women got married. Now, if I would have said that maybe 10 years ago, I'd go, oh, isn't that wonderful? There's six happy people. <laughs> but today it means something different. Yes, three women got married. Now, what's going to happen when they say, well, okay, well, four or five of us want to get married, and then later on, two want to divorce three, or three want to divorce one? I don't know. But that's where the world's going. That is where the world's going. And so when, when we look at our world today, and, and let's just look at us as America, okay? Now, there's, there's a few things that America's really concerned with, and, and I want to share what they are. Well, one of them right now happens to be national security. You know, that's kind of high priority on America's mind. Are we safe? Is our country safe? Are, are terrorists going to come in and, and what are they going to do or blow up or what, you know, what's going to happen? National security. The other one is the, the economy. Is the dollar going to tank? And my father-in-law told me something. And I just went, what? So I had to go check it out. He says, oh, yeah, didn't you know in Obamacare there's a provision in there that, uh, that at a certain point that if it's necessary, the president can recall all the gold? What? Yep. Weep and howl if you have gold, because it could happen. Because of executive order, our country is so messed up economically. You know what, folks? We just need to do this. That could happen. So, so economy, morality. Well, we've talked about morality, but we are concerned with the direction our country is going in. I think the common person is going, what in the world is going on in our country? You know, this is the time. We're living in a time where they're calling sweet bitter and bittersweet. They're exchanging light for darkness. You know, we, we go, that's not good. And they go, oh, no, that's wonderful. Well, that's immoral. Oh, no, that's normal. See, we're living in that time. And God says, whoa, woe to those that do that. So, woe to America? Maybe, because we're the leaders. The last one's immigration. And I'm going to park here a little bit tonight, but, but, but immigration has become a big question. And I believe, it's just my opinion, and I can be wrong, probably am, maybe not, that immigration is going to be moved up to the front seat in 2016. I don't think there's ever been a time in the world where there has been a larger displacement of people than we are seeing today. And, and they're being displaced because of economics. Maybe that's what we would see when we look to the South. Or because of wars. We can see that happening in Africa, the Middle East. Persecutions. But there's a huge displacement of people taking place right now throughout the world. And they don't have anywhere to go. So I suspect immigration will come to the forefront 
of our country. And we will be facing it. We will be looking at it. And you know what every American is speaking and shooting straight, or every American's going to say? We don't want to be a changed culture. We want to be who we are. We've always been like this. We don't want foreigners in our country. But I have to come back to mentioning that there is an open door before you that no man can shut. Think about it. In the time that Paul and Jesus were, were walking on the face of the earth, was it any different? Oh, the names have changed. But don't forget that Rome came into the world and brought in their culture. They brought in their laws. They brought in their structure and their religion and told everybody, do it. You lose. You see, Paul, even Jesus, lived in a turbulent time of incredible change, and it wasn't easy. Do you remember when we read about Aquila and Aquila? They got kicked out of Rome because Caesar kicked all the Jewish people out of Rome. Displacement. How about when they started to persecute the Christians? Displacement. How about when Titus came into Rome, 70, 72 AD, and murdered millions of, of Jewish people? Displacement. But it wasn't just Jewish people. Rome conquered the known world and displaced a lot of people. But there's never been more people alive on the face of the earth than there are today, about 7 billion. So today, when there's a displacement, we all know about it. And I come back to the open door. I come back to the Great Commission. Would it be that the Lord would bring them here? And some of us are saying, I hope not. That's just the truth. Some are saying, I hope not, because I don't want change. I, I want my country to stay the same. I don't want other cultures and other people with their customs coming in and imposing upon me or, or that I have to deal with that. What if the Lord does want that? I'm not saying he does. But I'm challenging you because it may happen as we go into 2016. So we have a choice to make. There's a door. Can we walk through that door and embrace people that are not part of our culture and not part of our language and not even part of our way of thinking? Why? Imago Deo. They are created in the image of God and he loves them. But I don't like them. They're not like me. Yeah, they are. They're just like Jesus. Created in his image. This is a challenge I'm, I'm presenting tonight. It's a little different than you probably thought we were going to go. But I think it's something that we, when we look to the future, Pastor Brent said, talk about the future, prophecy. I am. But a little bit different than maybe you might have thought. 
I want you to be aware that that could happen. You know, right now there's, a, there's immigration laws that are changing and being changed and not being enforced as well. There, there's two that were just passed in the omnibus bill. I don't know if any of you know about that. It was just run through quick, keep the economy going. And it's uh, HB1 and HB2. And, or H21 and H2, wait, it's, let me look at it. Here it is. Okay, it's H1B and H2B. Well, what is that? Well, these are immigration laws that let people come into our country to work. And they're sort of coming to the forefront right now. Why do you think that's happening? Hmm. Immigration. Bring people in. But let me explain. It, the, the first one, um, H-1B, is only for technical people. And, and this would be people that work in IT or, or doctors, scientists, technical folks that can get a visa and come in. Now, they can come in on that visa for th about three years, and then they can extend it another three, and then even apply for a green card. There's something that's interesting that's happening right now. Disney just let go 200 of their workers to bring in 200 foreign workers. So did Harley-Davidson. Is this a trend? I don't know. Maybe. But what I'm trying to tell you is people that were trained that are American workers were just replaced with people from other countries and the pay rate is not the same. The ironic tragedy is they had to teach them for, for I think it was 90 days, they had to work with them and teach them their job or they didn't get a severance package. Now, that's, that's one bill. The next bill, the other one, is for people that are not involved in agriculture, but let's say somebody who works at a Pizza Hut or Subway, works at a restaurant, a hotel, they're able to come in on a visa for a year, and then after that, extend it another year. But again, the wage isn't going to be the same. So these are being brought to the forefront. Now, they've been around for a while, but they're trying to re-streamline them because they're, they're wanting to bring people into this country to work. I, I want to show you, if, if I can right now, I want to just show you a map. Let's just look at our monitors. Um, this is actually from 2014. But what I want you to see is, you know, and, and basically on, on these stats, they're even higher than that presents it. But we have over, right now, we have over uh, 42,500,000 immigrants in, in the United States. Excuse me, 42 million, yeah, 500,000 immigrants in the United States. About 20, 20 million of them are already residents. But those are people that have come from other countries that are living here presently. Um, and that's living here. That's, that's not coming in on, on a work visa. That's about 13% of our total population. And, and so in America today, we have about 
322 million people, 13% are foreigners. That number is going to be changing. That number will be changing. When, uh, when we took our missions group, a bunch of young people, to Ireland about two years ago, we went to about 2,000 homes inviting people to VBS. And our kids were putting on a VBS at a Calvary Chapel in Dublin. So he went to a lot of homes over a few days, invited a lot of folks. But the thing that was most amazing, if, if you would have gone with us, the day that we showed up to start the VBS, you would have thought we were in Africa. Because 95% of the kids were from Africa. Here's where I'm going. They were open. They were open to going. They were invited. We wanted to do something for their children. We wanted to bless them. We told them we have games and, and, and snacks and things like that. And the kids, the parents says, yeah, take our kids, go, yeah. Very few Irish kids. And we were blown away. And, and here's where I'm, I'm going with that little story is, is number one, when we look at changes in our world, yes, there will be people from the Middle East. Yes, we've had many people come up from Central, South America, and Mexico. And the demographics and population, just population alone, are going to be changing in America. The America we once knew is going to change. I'm just saying this now. No one's really talking about it. I am going to talk about it. Can we in our hearts embrace the change and the people with it? The door is open. We can go through it. And even for us as a church in our community, we have a large Hispanic community just down the road. Can we embrace that community? Can we not only go out to minister to them, could we even invite them to share in the goodness of God with us in fellowship? I'm, I'm trying to get you to see that if, if we don't start this process, we might find that God's moving in a different direction and we're not moving with him as a church. I believe we do hear the Lord here. I believe that, that our pastor seeks God and, he, and he's right on that cutting edge of doing the will of the Lord. I look at the work in New Jersey that's coming up, and that says to me, he is listening to the voice of the Lord because we have an opportunity to go into an inner city ministry and build up and encourage that body of Christ and minister to people that are different than us. On that trip to Ireland, when we came back, we had a five-hour layover in New York. So I said to the, the kids that were with us, does anybody want to go with me to Manhattan? Because I'm going to Manhattan. I'm going to go to Times Square. Anybody want to go? And some were like, what, really? Well, about we missed our plane. No, we have a five-hour layover. It's all good. I know, I know we can get there. I know how to get there. It's all good. So some of them went with me. So we took the subway down and we took the subway back. And I said to them, how did it feel for you to walk into the subway and be a minority? How did it feel? 
I said, you guys need to understand, this is America. This is America. All those people on the subway, probably 90% of them don't know Jesus. They come from Puerto Rico. They come from, you name the country in New York, they're from there. So they're from all over the world. And I said, folks, we need to reach out. I brought you guys down here because I want you to see. And they went, yeah, wow, it was really different. I said, yeah, it was. God loves every one of those people on that subway. I hope you will too. I hope we, as a church, will have that heart. You know, you have to remember something. God's in control of the whole world, and he's in control of this country. Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe in me also. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things with prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What's his part? He'll give you peace that surpasses all understanding that will protect your heart and your mind. And, you know, when the Lord was walking upon the water, they all were afraid it was a ghost. What did he say? Peace. When he appeared in the upper room, peace. He wants us to have his peace, but not as the world. He wants us to have peace. He wants us to know that he's in control. The Lord says, for, for my ways are not your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts and my ways higher than your ways. Can you trust him? Can you trust him? Can you embrace people, all people? Because that's the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we move forward in 2016, I would like us as a church to look at the community around us and find where the greatest needs are. And let's go love them. Let's love them because God loves them. This is so important because Jesus walks among us. Lord forbid that he would be in the parking lot. Lord forbid. But I believe that the future of the church is, is going to be moving in this direction. And, and I, I believe that it's important that we as a church do the same. It, you know, Paul says to Timothy, he says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. We should be able to go anywhere and share our faith. Paul says, For I am persuaded. And, that, and that's a good word. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God to salvation to all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel's for all cultures, for all people. So as we move forward as a church, I also want to just sort of share with you uh, another another verse that I think is, is so important. In Deuteronomy 10, 18, it says, He administers justice to the fatherless and the widows, and he loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. What happens when strangers come to us? 
See, that's what our God does. God's very concerned about the orphan, the widow, and the stranger. And, and, and I encourage you, wherever you are, to see if you can find somebody who's a stranger, a foreigner, not like you, and reach out to them. Be their friend. Find out about their life. Ask them about them and how they are. Do that, and you'll see that door open for the gospel. But it comes to us because we're commissioned to go out to reach the world. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? For it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel, who bring glad tidings of good things, whether it's across the street or across town. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your heart for humanity. So much so that you gave your life. And, and Lord, that speaks to us. We're, we're told, Lord, to, to grow to the statute of Christ. And, and Lord, we want to be as a church and as individuals, we, we want to be your hands and feet. And so, Father, would you use us? Would you take us to those places of greatest need? Lord, whether it's across the street or around the world, we as a fellowship and as individuals, we desire to be used by you. And so, Father, we call out to you and we petition. We don't want our hearts to be troubled. We want your peace that protects our hearts and minds. But we want to do your will. Use us, Father. Bless us. Bless Calvary Chapel Surprise and all the people and families that are part of this family. And so tonight we thank you. We look to you for 2016. And we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you this evening.